0: Welcome to the Modernizer Dive Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the ColdFusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to Modernizer Dive Podcast, CFML News Edition. It's episode 191, April 18th, 2023. You know what that means, Brad, right? It means we're dangerously close to episode 200, is what that means. You know what? We're even closer because I was supposed to update it to 192. <laughs> so 192, oh. gotcha. Now um, people have <laughs> something to heckle about. Yep. So just uh, one month away from end of the box. And if we do uh, one every week, we should hit uh, 200 in two months. So so basically, uh, this time in June somewhere, we'll be, uh, yeah. <laughs> We'll be at episode 200. I think it's actually the week that you guys are going to be at CF Camp. So I'm not sure if you guys want to try and do something on the fly at CF Camp or we'll just do a normal episode or we'll wait till the week after. I don't know what we'll to see because
1: you might that be gallivanting. Fun, but what time of the day would that be? It would be like probably 6 p.m. I don't know. That's there. the thing. So. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what daylight savings is. Yeah. Um we got eight episodes to figure it out. No, I'm you, not gonna, gonna be there. So I think I've already lost track of who's even going. I
0: think you, Eric, Dan Cod and Luis are gonna be there. Okay. But maybe some others I'm not sure but I think those four for sure because I saw you on the speaker list and uh, and there's something about yeah. workshops that we'll talk about later so uh,
1: yeah and, and that's changing in in ways that you probably don't even have on your show notes so. probably so you can give cool. us the
0: update don't worry I was gonna put you to speak all about that so you can tell us what's going on because I don't <laughs> know what's going on there either so the work work in progress Gavin. yep for sure now someone just ping me okay I was making sure they didn't say there's something wrong with uh, the audio or something, but geez, Gavin. Yeah, Adam's in there. It's beer time, apparently. So good enough. Zach, Zach Spitzer said on Twitter he was going to come heckle us. So the more, the merrier. Yeah, we like it when you guys come in here and chit-chat. And, you know, sometimes it's useful and sometimes it's fun, but uh sometimes it's both. So... Anyways, let's get on with the show. So for those who don't know, I'm Gavin Pickin, Senior Developer Auto Solutions, and everyone knows who Brad Wood is. He's the guy who, if you mention CFML three times on Twitter, he'll jump out of nowhere and tell you, it's still alive, it's still alive! It doesn't take three times. I know, I'm teasing. <laughs> <laughs> the, the candy man, right? Uh, no. anyway but uh thanks to our sponsor order solutions without them we wouldn't be able to do this podcast They're the makers of ColdBox, command box forge box test box and most of your favorite boxes out there and uh brad's got a few ways you
1: can say thanks back to order solutions well i'm busy heckling the hecklers in the chat and now you want me to actually pay attention to the podcast jeez uh yeah so order solutions uh you can like and subscribe our videos on youtube um, you can help us reach for the stars by starring and forking our repos. And we even have a command box module that will go through your box.json and will automatically like all of our repos for you. If you're that lazy, it's not even here. our repos it's
0: everyone from the community. So
1: that's the yeah. thing you're
0: supporting those community members that are uh, putting their yep,
1: yep. it'll, it'll, so. it'll star everybody's repos for you. Uh, we are here to enable that level of laziness. Uh, also subscri- <laughs> subscribe to our podcast on all of your podcast apps, leave us a review. Um, you can sign up for a free or paid account on Cast, which has new content every week. You can buy sweet, sweet T-shirts <laughs> uh, <laughs> from our Box Life store, like my command box one that says the server is up. And then, of course, we have our orders books, such as the 102 full cool box um, quick tips. And the Learn CFML in 100 minutes. So lots of um, options. Is, is Patreon even in there? Did we even mention Patreon?
0: No, because that's next. But Oh, that's the, next. Yeah. So uh, another way, well, the recommended way right now is you can do all those things, which are great, but would love to have you guys come join us for Into the Box the 10th. And speaking of Into uh, the Box and attending, uh, one mm. of the people in the chat who has never been to, into the box is going to make an appearance. Adam Cameron is going to be here. <laughs> Yeah, top, top secret. No, not really. He he already published, so he's everywhere, <laughs> but he's going to be there. So, uh, um uh, yeah, we had to pull him over the pond. It's the 10th one, and, uh, he's obviously done a lot and given a lot to the community, whether it's been heckling who's best, you know, hisses and, and heckles. But, uh, he does do a lot of things, and one of them, keep Adobe accountable ish, uh, <laughs> with lots of bug reports. So, uh, ish yeah so adam cameron's gonna be there and then uh sean odin's in the chat he's gonna be there he's speaking as well so uh so yeah it's good to see you guys there and uh, it'll be great to see you in houston for everybody else it's the 10th one it's gonna be a big one we're hoping it's gonna be you know the best yet and like there's a lot of great speakers some new speakers too a lot of great content but we'll tell you about that a little bit more but that's a great way. Remember, this is in-person only this year. We're not going to do all the crazy live streaming because we just had too many issues with all sorts of things. So we want to focus on getting the best content for those who are actually there. And we will be recording it real recently later on into the box, um, um, CF cast and everything else. But it's in-person only. So if you want to stay in the action, uh, be there. But... Again, we do have this Patreon supporters. So thank you to those uh, awesome Patreon supporters. We got to come up with a new name for today's supporters, but we've got 39 supporters plus one who can't use Patreon because of his country location. Um, but at patreon.com slash order solutions, you can find out some of the packages and perks, and we'll tell you about more of that at the end of the show. But next up, we have news and announcements. And so this one's more of an in case you missed it. Um, so Brad, you wanna tell us a little bit about this? And uh, I think we should um, pull up the videos. So I'm gonna give you guys
1: some links to some of the Tech podcasts where they talk about this more. Oh. Yeah, I was actually just looking to see if they had any partial results uh, listed yet for the 2023 State of the CF Union uh, Survey. So if you haven't taken that, um, go ahead and fill it out. Send it to all of your coworkers and friends who are Fusion developers, but maybe don't pay any attention to social media um Ortis, and i know a lot of the companies use the results of that so, i mean it really comes can- on what versions of cold fusion people are using what we should support uh just to see what the trends in the community are what kind of ide's are the most popular helps us you know decide what ide uh, plugins and things like that to focus on so uh take the state of the cf union survey that is on the terratech.com uh blog yep and i
0: found one of the videos i'll put in the show notes as well and from that i think you can link to some of the other ones but the TRTX site has a, a lot of the content so i was on there brad was on there we talked about the different results from the previous years and yeah they've they've done a great job over the years and it's, it's really interesting to go and see the trends you know and yeah the old days we were like oh my gosh command box like 25 percent of people are using it and like now we're like oh wow there's like still I mean, what are we at now? I can't remember
1: what the number was, but it was a, a pretty good number. I, I want to say for local development, like 50% of the respondents said they were using it. Now, of course, the asterisks is of the respondents. So it's, you know, obviously only the people that fill out the survey are included in that. Um, and our Docker images um, have been more popular than Lucy's official ones. I think Adobe's official Docker images may have finally edged us out on that. Yeah, um, but I think there's still they have. Still quite a bit of use uh, all the way around, which is kind of fun to see. Yep, and uh, yeah, there's
0: definitely a, a lot of cool stuff in there, and I just like seeing you know what other people are using and you know still using, and it's kind of interesting to see how many people are still using the old CF versions. You know, <laughs> there's a lot, and because uh, what twenty twenty three slash <laughs> four, I mean it's getting really close. They're they're talking, I think one of the. Let's see if some of ESA mentioned something about it's going to be late this year, maybe even to next year. But I have a feeling that it's going to drop pretty soon. And so 2021, 18, 16, 11, 10. I mean, they're still on that list and
1: people are still using a lot of those older versions. Oh, so yeah. it's Yeah, uh, I, I don't know what the release timeline looks like. Obviously, nobody other than the Adobe employees do. But I mentioned this the other day in the podcast and I'll say it again. Um, I've been pleased, pleasantly surprised Um, that uh, Adobe has been testing their uh, ColdFusion 2023 um, betas on ORDIS box products independently. So they've been running against ContentBox, they've been testing it on Java 17, which has its own pile of of, uh, effort that has to be done there. And um, they've reached out to us proactively and said, hey, we've gotten issues running ContentBox CMS on Adobe ColdFusion 2023 beta. Can you help us resolve it? So I'm super pleased to see them doing that. And um, they just mentioned to me in an email this week they're trying to you know, close down the, the, um, the release for this and get all the remaining you know, bugs nailed down. Now, who knows what that means in terms of release, but I know that they are trying to uh, push towards release on that. So it's very exciting. And, and I've been super pleased to see Adobe going out of their way to do testing on our box products. And uh, we've been trying to do the same thing uh, locally. John Klassen has been, I say locally, inside of Ordis, John Klassen has been setting up all of our automated builds out there on GitHub in, uh, to run against Adobe ColdFusion 2023, the public beta and Java 17 to see what, you know, more bugs it shakes out of the tree as well. So be- between all of the the major uh, testing suites that we have for all of our Ordis libraries, uh, especially Content Box and CBRM, there's a lot of test cases so anyway hopefully uh if we're play our cards right <laughs> we'll be able to have all of our box uh testing live or testing suites passing on 2023 before it releases as opposed to nasty release day surprises yeah for which, sure which may or may not have happened in the past in previous versions
0: yeah that's always uh you know a, what do you call it a i would call it the lemon period, you know, where the, <laughs> you've got to find all the lemons and fix them real quick before before adopting. But uh, Adam Cameron asks, what's the benefit of using the oldest Lucy Docker image over the Lucy's one? I mean, really, when we first released them, Command Box 1s had so many more features than Adobe and Lucy's core images they were basically like a build inside a docker but they've done a lot of work on them lately they've uh, improved a lot and um charlie earhart did a session comparing the the images but we basically just put a whole bunch of like niceties in them they were like developer friendly like divx stuff so like really easy way to use secrets um you know all these little bits and pieces in it that just you know, you could do yourself with the other ones, but we try to make it every, real easy. And, like, config, obviously makes everything easy. The MV module, like all that stuff that just comes with command box, all those modules made ours really simple to use. And then, you know, Lucy and Adobe have sort of got their own settings configuration tools now and a few other things that, that they were missing. And so they're getting closer. But obviously, you know, we're used to all our tools. And if we can't figure out how to do something nicely or easily, we, like,
1: we build it in. So...
0: John and Brad have done a ton of great work on those docker images.
1: Yeah, I'll qualify your statement. Adobe's done a decent amount of work. Lucy's Docker images really haven't changed at all in years. Now there is this there the native support for CF config JSON on Lucy. I haven't really tested it. I don't I don't know how how good it is. Um, I would say one of the singular most useful things is the full environment variable support for any cold fusion setting and any server setting. Lucy and Adobe still have jack nothing like zero. Okay, maybe they have like three. I don't know. They basically are crap in this area, right? You can control every single part of the server deployment. So your server.json, every key in that can be done by environment variable, and every single CF config JSON value, including entire data source definitions, can also be environment variables. And Lucy doesn't have that at all in its CF config JSON. So I would say that the environment variables alone are. Uh, are worth the price of admission to the command box based images, but anyway, yeah, that's all a bit of an aside, yeah. And Adam was saying he had to hack CF XML files the other
0: day, and I'm like, Yeah, like that's the main reason I like using yeah. command box config <laughs> yeah. But I mean, not even that, like the whole password text thing for you know, for the EULA is
1: actually not in an XML file, Adam, it's actually in a properties file, and that's part of the magic of the cf engines and command box. yeah they're a little different but yeah
0: so but th- those are the main differences like i said they've come a long way at first they were miles apart and they're they're making some good steps towards it and but yeah like i said for us it's just environment variables and you know just loading configuration settings you know because it's very much the their images originally were i'm going to install a server into a Docker image, you know, old school server. You still have to log in and add all your data sources. And, you know, it's very much old school where all stuff is, you run it from a script. You never touch the admin. You're good. Let's go. But anyway, that's, that's the short of it. Charlie does a lot more diving into it. But and of course, if like I said, if there's something missing, we add it to L's on the spot cause we're like, we can't wait. We don't want to do this. So anyway, but okay. So enough babbling about everything there. So, New releases and updates, uh, I'll tell you one thing, we don't have a whole lot coming out from orders because you know we save all these goodies for ITB, so there's a lot of stuff that we're working on that we're going to be releasing into the box, but um, we did have something last week, so um, these Jupyter Notebook type things are kind of interesting, and then like, we have the CFML Jupyter kernel now, powered by
1: Command Boss.
0: Brad, do you want to tell us a little bit about this? I was going to talk about it, but I'm sure you know more than I do.
1: Um. Yeah. As as most um things do, this one brings back painful and annoying memories of things I tried to do years ago, but never worked, and unresolved tickets still sitting in a Lucy backlog. Um. I tried to get a Lucy kernel for for Jupiter years ago, only to find that Lucy's jsr two twenty three support is actually only half baked, and it doesn't implement all the methods it was supposed to. And so the the kernels I could find for GSR 223 languages wouldn't freaking work with Lucy. I am still bitter about that and my ticket is still in the Lucy backlog. Uh so what Jason did here um wait, actually you say James Steinhauser isn't his name Jason? Jason. Uh, I just uh, copied what it was in there. Yeah. The oh, our our show notes here said James and I was like second guessing my entire life. Anyway, <laughs> what what uh what Jason. Mr. Steinhauser did um Howard, I'm even pronounced the name wrong. Jeez, Sorry. Um, is he did one that wrapped up Command Boxes Repl basically, um, and so the the perennial problem, of course, is um, is uh, sorry I'm like reading comments in the YouTube <laughs> chat section while trying to talk. Uh, the perennial problem is you know the delay you have of like loading up Command Box and then running something in the Repl and then having it exit, which takes several seconds. So what uh, Jason worked on doing, which is super cool, and he had talked to me on the the Ordis community forum about this is uh, using python behind the scenes it spins up a box process which it just leaves running and then it pipes i say pipes it sends text in the standard input as though you had typed it with a keyboard and then parses what comes in the standard output so it's essentially typing into the command box repl for you but just doing it through the adapter for the jupyter kernel uh which is pretty sweet and you know it's, it's fast of course because command box just stays running in the background um, and he was able to hack it all together without needing to do any, you know, significant, uh, back in Java stuff is just kind of wrapping up, um, the command box REPL. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I tried to play with it and I felt like an idiot cause I couldn't figure out how in the bloody heck to use Jupiter. So if anybody <laughs> knows what the heck, like, I swear I've tried to use Jupiter before and it like opens up and I'm like, I feel like a moron. Like do I, how do I click what? I, I don't know. Like, I, I can't figure it out. It must be for people far smarter or something than me because their UI has never made any sense to me. But I love the fact that Jason got this working because apparently somewhere out there, there's people who have like decoded the secrets of Jupiter and they know what the heck to do once it opens up. So <laughs> good on them.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're funny, Brad. But yeah, uh, Jupiter <laughs> out pretty cool. I see a lot of people using them, but yeah, I haven't used them myself. Um but I know they have pretty cool stuff in VS Code, so it's kind of nice. And actually, Scott and I were talking about running the same type of stuff in VS Code, not for Jupyter Notebooks, but to actually run Command Box in a in a separate thread, like in Node or something, so we could start piping, Yeah, yeah I was and talking to Scott too.
1: about that last week as well. Yeah, so that's,
0: you know, we're like, you know, formatting, linting, all that stuff runs a little slow because we got to wait for Command Box to start up. So it's like, well, we just run this, and then we could tie into all the cool... Stuff in command box and we'll have to use something like node or python i know but at least we'll get to the good stuff so if it's a means to the end we might we might be able to deal with it right brad
1: yeah yeah because i was i was showing scott uh Steinbeck how to like disable the command box prompt so there would be like less text you would have to parse out to do it yeah anyway it's
0: yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Like so that's one of the things we're just trying to do. You know, we're I really want to focus on devics, You know, like the developer experience and running formatting and just stuff like that. Like save, format on save, whatever. I know you can do it now, but it's not as right. not as fun, not as friendly. Well, you have
1: to, uh, yeah, you have to start a watcher, which means you have a terminal window sitting somewhere, which basically is your your running version of Command Box, but it's still not a. A general purpose reusable. Thing. Yeah, and you just can't use it for as many things. So I think once we get that,
0: you know, it'll really open up the opportunities. I want to be able like, to run a test from the function I'm in, like, hey, run my test for this function by pushing command. So those yeah, types of things be, are what I want to that do. That would be super you know? sweet. All those things that other languages do. But well, not all of them, to be honest, because I actually listened to a podcast about uh, this product for Python and like they were talking about how the Rust uh, command tool. I'm like, sounds like command box and they're like how they're trying to basically get more like that i'm like yeah we already got that so we got one up on python there but <laughs> <laughs> so it's just funny i thought brad would be happy he'd be you know heckling away so anyways next up meetups so we got webinars meetups and workshops and uh we got a few this week one today right now so if you guys yeah, are here sorry on, yeah. you're probably missing it sorry about that but we're more important but uh you want to tell us about this one
1: um. Yeah, and if you were hoping to to still jump into this, uh, Mark Dakota had posted in Slack just a few minutes ago that the URL wasn't working and hadn't been set up correctly. And he had a URL for people to click on oh. uh, for anyone trying to uh, uh, join. It was well, actually it looks like his personal Adobe Connect URL. So anyway, um, that's in CFML Slack. If you're like, tried to get into it and you couldn't. But yeah. So exploring <clears throat> APIs, building applications with Confusion REST and GraphQL. So this is Mark Dakota. Um, He talks about using uh, Fusion's data access uh, capabilities, building applications. Um, Looks like he was going to build a Google Translate clone, a low-code contact manager, and an ETL workflow that integrates with NoSQL and a relational database. So anyway, sounds kind of cool, and that's basically happening right now. I assume there will be a recording um, after the fact. Yep. I know they talked a lot about GraphQL and
0: everything at the CF Summit East. So big hopes for that with the next version. And then we got um, the MidMichigan Cold Fusion Media group. Um, they've got the ins and outs of CF setup with Randy Brown from Michigan State. So he's going to be talking about that and talking about Adobe CF setup tool to assist administrators with DevOps and setting migrations. So that is tonight. So you guys want to check that one out. And then we got another one tomorrow, Wednesday, April 19th. And that's from the SAC interactive meetup. So you want to, you've Crash seen course. this one, right? From Nolan?
1: No, I don't know if I did. I've forgotten about it. Crash <laughs> course with web components and Nolan Urk. I don't know that I've seen this one. Uh, April 19th, which is tomorrow, uh, 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, web components provide a modular way to build a consistent design system and user experience across your entire application. Instead of copying and pasting chunks, uh, use web components. There you go.
0: Meetup.com. Yeah. Yeah, link for that. I think this is a comment in here something saying, uh, web components, you know, learn how they work and then integrate them into a backend like CFML or PHP. I promise it's easier than you think. So that's a good way to finish that. So pretty cool. And yeah, I know he's done some web component stuff before. And so i be, I'm like, I've, I know they've changed a lot in web components. have done a lot of work lately on them. So they're improving and getting better all the time. So cool, cool. Okay, cfcast, so cfcast.com, we have a lot of great content up there, and some new features are coming your way, Uh, one was released uh, last week, so now Elasticsearch is powering the search for cfcast, so when you actually type in something, Mm. you get better results, Um, so a lot of cool things coming your way too. I saw a sneak peek at some of the new stuff, and uh. (laughs) Yeah, very, very cool. So
1: what have we had recently though, Brad? Uh, we've added a bunch of stuff recently as I buy time to tab back to the document so I can read it. Um, we have some more in our Mastering Command Box 5 series, which includes uh, security with client certificates, um, also uh, basic authentication, which has been updated uh, recently in Command Box, and passing your JVM args as an array, which if you need to interact with them programmatically, I can just be a little bit more readable on your server.json as opposed to a string. So those are three of the new videos up on CFCast about um, Command Box. Yep, and you have three more coming the next week as well. And then 2023
0: Forgebox module of the week. So we released um, the snippet from our podcast so you can check that out and we also released the VS Code and tip trick of the week and then we have uh added all the 2019 into the box video so we finally got those up on CFcast we used to put them over on Vimeo and everything so we got those transferred over so now you can watch sessions from the last 4 ITBs up on CFcast so if you guys are waiting for into the box and you can't wait any longer you know you can watch 2022s, 2021s, 2020s and 2019. So all of those series are up on cfcast.com now. There are some free videos in there but most of them are um you know included with that subscription.
1: So like a like a binge watch. You're looking for something to binge watch on Netflix? No, no, we've got it right here in cfcast. Grab yeah. your bag of popcorn and your Mountain Dew and just go to town.
0: Yeah, cuz Scott actually said he thinks the uh, the web component's one that Nolan might have done that last year and I'm like, "Did he? Was it does it mean to be this year or last year? I'm not sure. I'm going to have to go find it and watch it again. Cause
1: you know how long ago last year was, it was like almost a year ago, I think.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, so what else we got coming soon for CF <clears throat> Uh, Well, we have more command box videos because <clears throat> I recorded like a billion of them all at once. Uh, so we're trickling those out. We have more Forgebox and VS code podcast snippet videos, which of course all of you here who r- religiously watch our podcast have probably seen, um, Eric has some cold box elixir content, and then, uh, we have some getting started with inertia.js, JS, which is a library. That's not incredibly new. Um, but, uh, there's still a pretty cool library and a lot of people don't know about it. So we're doing a series on that one. Yeah, Cause a lot of people are
0: going, you know, how can we use the server side language to do some JavaScript stuff and not have to like dump 300 megs of JavaScript to the page every time someone loads it and you know. Inertia and CBY are both good solutions for that, so um and see if Cas actually build on inertia JS if you were wondering, so it's kind of cool okay, let's move on to conferences and I have something, but we're gonna leave that for the vs code hint, tip trick of the week, so I'm gonna skip this one, but we have one uh Jay on the beach Brad. uh Malaga Spain. I assume Luis is gonna
1: be there with uh Jorge and some of the oldest people they're uh yeah, Ordis is um is sponsoring Jay on the beach. Uh we tried to figure out what Jay stood for last time and I don't know if we were successful, but it is a uh a DevOps uh conference over in Spain, and so Ordis is gonna be a part of that, and that's basically all I know about it. Yep, we're the we're definitely a sponsor here.
0: Um but yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. If you look at the schedule, they've got workshops and they've got a hackathon and everything else. But yeah, they cover some interesting things so distributed systems microservices cloud data engineering data science uh ops sres data viz and general software engineering so lots of uh lots of cool topics there but so if you guys are maybe on the way to the end of the box you might want to check that out you know so I lost my mouse there sorry about that i'm back <laughs> but we also have um, some view Vue.js stuff coming your way. So, Vue.js Live is going to be May 12th and on repeat on the 15th. Um, So, you can watch that online or in person. And they've got uh, about 10,000 people joining globally, they say. Um, They got about 300 people will be in person, and and that will be uh, the Vue.js live. Yeah, sorry, com. So, you can get more information on signing up for online or in person. And then, next up, we have the big
1: one, right, Brad? You excited into the, into the box, 10th edition? Heck, yeah. Yep. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's ready to go. May 17th through 19th. Um, we're back in the Woodlands, Texas. Adam Cameron will be there. What else do you need to know? Mm-hmm. That's, that's all you need to know. It should be uh, a romp. So <laughs> um, we're going to have the, the mariachi band um, and uh, the workshops, all the sessions. Like you said earlier, we're focusing on in person only this year. We we spend a lot of bandwidth trying to manage the live streams, which is a lot of work and dependent on (laughs) yeah. And dependent on absolutely sometimes terrible hotel Wi-Fi that they want to charge you like eight billion dollars to let you plug into the walls. Do you have to deal with their guest Wi-Fi that goes down like every eight hours? It's like, please into your room number. I swear like five people had that happen in the middle of their session last year. Or like the Wi-Fi went offline anyway. Uh, So uh, be there in person or be square Um, and we may be doing some recording, I think, for later publishing, but we're not going to do live streaming. So um, that's those tickets are available into the box uh, at eventbrite.com and go into the box.org to look at the session schedule. Um, All the content is posted there and we uh, we're seeing um, registrations coming in for it. So I am excited to see how many people we can get there. Yep.
0: And the site does look pretty cool. They've done a lot of work on it. So this, we got the pre-conference workshops too. So don't forget about that. So we've got Async Programming and Scheduling. We've got full stack um, Build, Deploy, Log, Monitor Your Web Applications. We've got Reactive Front Ends with CFML, wire, and AlpineJS. TestBox, How to Get Started with TestBox. And then we've got Building a REST API for the Modern Developer. So lots of great content in there and the workshops. And then again, we have two days. So we've got sessions and we have hands-on. So if you want to deep dive, there's some deep dives into content box, human-friendly scheduled tasks. Have Uh, we we explained
1: the difference between the sessions and the hands-on?
0: Basically they're just a two hour deep dive versus a one hour session.
1: Right. So you'll have, so these are going on simultaneously and you can choose, do you want a little one hour session? That's kind of like a normal conference session. Or like a two-hour deep dive, which means you're kind of missing two sessions to go to that one. But there's more of a like a mini workshop, so um, you can kind of pick and choose throughout your day. And yep. you'll you'll notice from Gavin's screen share if you're watching on uh, our YouTube stream, uh, there's filters for each day for each room. And then um, once you choose a uh, a track, then there's also a room filter as well. Um, we're kind of working on improving this, but uh, but- you can kind of you can filter down to what's in each room or all is just this is everything going on so Lots of uh oh we awesome we even have filters based on um beginner intermediate and advanced content. Yep, we're trying to be trying to go I figure love it. out which ones are which though because <laughs> some of the
0: content were like, wait, hey, is this beginner or intermediate? So but yeah, we're we're trying to make it easy to find what you want to look for. And again, there's some great hands-on stations here too. And this one is a goodie. So this is uh Sean Odin's, so he talked to me about it last year. Sequel sleuth learn some SQL while solving a mystery. And he said he wouldn't be able to fit it in an hour. So uh it's going to be, going to be real cool to to see that one. He's been telling me about it. I'm like, I made it happen. So we got a two hour session. So hopefully you guys check that one out. And on day one, we have a little bit more time on day one. So in our hands-on session, we're actually having a one hour uh, orders office hour. So a few of the orders people will be in there if you want to go ask questions and just chit chat a little bit more. Obviously you can do that in hallway track and lunch and happy box and everything else too but wanted to give you guys some time to go ask questions and, and look at things so anyway lots of cool stuff happening again with that so hopefully you guys can uh, join us so excited and then again we have all those videos on CF uh, cfcast so don't forget about those and then we have view sorry, ViewConf US, man, there's so many of them and they're all so close. New Orleans, May 24th through the 26th, so you can uh, head home on the way from Houston, stop down in uh, New Orleans for a couple of days, uh, do the ViewConf there, and they have workshops on the 24th as well. So that's ViewConf.us. so you guys can check that one out. And then uh, we got CF Camps. You want to tell us more about these uh, pre-conference trainings, Brad?
1: <clears throat> so um, these pre-conference trainings are changing on the fly uh, because I was just emailing with uh, Mishi uh, with Michael Nat today, um, and we are adding a fourth um, Ordis workshop Ooh. to the list. Um, I know. So uh, Mishi is helping actually uh, coordinate the workshops uh, through funneling all through CF Camp and um, consolidating the sign up all as part of the CF Camp website. So we won't be doing our own separate event, right? You can just get it when you get your CF camp ticket, which is very nice of them. Um, so we have test box getting started with BDD, TDD. Oh, my, because that's never been done before. Um, sorry, I'm not making fun of a session. I'm making fun of the oh, my trope. <laughs> yeah, um, we have the cold box seven from zero to hero uh, session. We have legacy code conversion to the modern world. And let me look at my sent items and see what I sent Mishi just this morning as my workshop title Uh, command box server deployment for the modern age, which will basically cover uh, a bunch of stuff we were talking about earlier Um, production lockdowns, um, local development environment, production environments, Docker, JSON configuration Uh, that I say environment variables. I'll say it twice if not Uh, performance tuning. So all of the uh, stuff you need to know to be using command box. Um, So those four sessions um, will be what Ordis is offering on the Wednesday, the 21st, I believe, is the day, I guess, that we have those uh, workshops before CF camp. And I am so excited to be back in uh, Germany. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And the preside is doing
0: their um, pre-conference day as well. So lots of good options for you. So if you're going to make it over there, uh, spend an extra day, do some extra training and yeah,
1: enjoy it. All right, I'm adding my uh, workshop to the show notes, and I'm sure that Michi will get that updated on the website uh, nice. as soon as he has the ability to. Very cool. And, of course,
0: the actual conference is the 22nd to the 23rd. The workshops the pre-conference workshops are the June 21st. And if you go to cfcamp.org, you can get all the other information. They have the sessions up there now. They've got the speakers up there now. Uh, so the website's really coming together. And, yeah, tickets are available. So go check those out
1: i see a question here in the chat david uh asked how existing ticket holders selected pre-conference training are you asking about into the box or about cf camp now i have to wait for the delay for my (laughs) words to actually reach david uh into the box just let us know Um, david
0: and we'll add you on because the when we added the workshops we didn't know all the workshops when we did the super early bird i know david is one of the first people to buy so thank you for doing that without even seeing that but uh we'll actually uh go ahead and uh, you know get you added to the right one. So just let us know which of those uh, workshops you want and just ping me in Slack and we'll get you added to the list, so very cool. But yeah, that's the only thing is when you buy so early we don't even have the workshop names, so you can't pick them, so, but we appreciate it, so cool. And then if you guys want more conferences, comps.tech has a bunch of uh, great options for you. They've got conferences in person, online, lots of different languages, uh, so you can check those out too. Okay, so let's get into blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. Uh, It's a quieter week, but uh, it's not too bad. I'm going to pull up a tweet, and I want your input on this one in a second, Brad. I'll just read it out first and show everybody. But um, James Moberg was saying, asking if any confusion or SQL devs want to share tips regarding the best method to bypass the 2100 SQL param limit when using a list of unknown length in an in query. He validated a list of ints and dynamically generated these values constructor to use of a CTE. No temps, fair tables, whatever, and he said it was pretty dang fast. So, I know that this has actually come up a few times where people are like trying to get lists of lists, and you know, you use the in and you don't realize that your query brought back more than the the max the SQL can handle, but this little CTE makes it easy to, to do
1: it, but there's still that limit. So, have you run into any? Yeah, I have. For that? I saw his tweet. I didn't reply to it, though. Um, anytime I've run into that, I've always wound up with a table variable and breaking the list up and doing chunked insur- inserts into it. Um, and to be clear, uh, there's two different limits that people might be um, confusing. There is a limit to the number of parameters you can do in a JDBC um operation right like the number of query params but just ignoring that just like straight up microsoft sql server there's a limit to how big an in clause can be where id in uh which is just a straight up like oops, sql limit uh irrespective of any jdb access jdbc access to it and pretty certainly he is discussing that um that second version and i like i said i've never found any way around the, other than just chunking it together and putting it into a table variable yeah um i was gonna say that's it, that's similar to It does kind of suck if you're running into it, you might want to back up and like consider if there's if there's a different way to approach the the problem. Um, You know, like, do you have like a user interface with like over 2000 checkboxes? Someone's checking and you need to like hit submit and somehow like, you know, put that into a filter. I don't know. Maybe there's a better way to do that. But yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking
0: too. Like if you're using a paginated list or something, yeah, it should Uh, make it easier
1: yeah and adam just kind of said the same thing i was saying scott yes the answer is yes um you would hit the limit in that scenario yeah but the sequel one not necessarily the prior one if you're doing because usually the in calls
0: is from a previous query it's to get around the whole Pl you know the the n plus one thing right you do two queries one to get the list of ids and then the other one to use in the n to run it and but again, if you're getting yeah. over 2000 in your first query, then you're like, why? Why do you need that much data back? Like you said, it's probably just to chunk it.
1: So. Right. And as far as the CTE, I mean, that's, that's mostly syntax. I mean, you could have just put that select in parentheses and just aliased it and selected directly from it. And it would have been like essentially the same thing. Uh, the CTE might be a bit more readable and that you can just, you know, kind of alias it up, up top basically as a table and just use it down below. Um, Six half dozen the other? I suppose I'm not sure. Um, so, I'm not sure if there's any performance differences. Yeah.
0: So Scott, we need to um, throw in the, into Postgres and see what their limit is if they have. Well, one. yeah,
1: I was just wondering if other databases had similar limits. Do um, yeah. it. Yep. Okay. Well, next up we have the the CF
0: preconference pre-conference workshop thing, which you pretty much covered already anyway in good detail and added more detail than our blog cause you gave us the fourth one. So we'll just move on. So the next one after that is we have uh, one from Ben Nadel and this one, I wonder how many people in the chat knew that you could actually have a, a button and use it against any form on the page. Did you know that Brad?
1: Um, I saw Ben's tweet. I didn't read his blog. If if all he's doing is like on click equals document dot forms dot whatever find the form dot submit yeah I knew you could do that but no. if he found a way to actually like associate the button with the form then no I had uh, I had never known that yeah you put form equals and then you put the id of the form
0: and then it there you go
1: then no yeah I wasn't uh, I wasn't aware of that I've always like physically I see physically I've always nested the button inside the hierarchy of the form um, yeah. that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, so that's a cool little tip, and again, you know, I think some people might have run into that. For some reason, I think I've heard about this a while back, but I don't know what it was from, and I don't do it enough. But yeah, I'm usually working in Vue or something where it's like I just call the function which behaves like a submit anyway. So, but um, I saw you did tweet a little bit about um the feature flag stuff that he was talking about. How feature flag should fail open. Do so you want to tell us about that one, or at least the discussion you guys had, because that's a another one that ben was talking about this week
1: yeah ben was basically just talking about um you know a fail open fail closed concept which is a terminology that people use um imagine like you know a hospital has doors that have like those magnetic you know locks that are computer controlled and you scan the card and it releases if you know the system was to go down you wouldn't want all the doors to be in a failed state where they were all locked and you couldn't get out that could be a a, a safety issue so you'd have things like that oftentimes fail open so if you know there was some catastrophic failure in the computer that controlled them the doors would fail in an unlocked state uh now unless you're in a prison i don't know that might be a bad thing but well the roller coaster
0: way, in, in vegas that i told you about that one time where yeah it when the shut down for wind conditions it shut down hanging
1: them over upside down over the edge of the stratosphere <laughs> that's how it, <laughs> it locked open it, it failed instantly <laughs> like i don't care if you're upside down uh, so with the feature flags, you know, the idea was if uh, if there's some sort of uh, issue with the feature flag, do you want the flag to default to being on or off? Um, now, when we're not open means on or off, uh, that's possibly a bit of ambiguous semantics. Um, but that's what uh, what Bim was talking about. And I had pointed out on on Twitter that the launch darkly SDK, um, which I wrote a Fusion wrapper for for a client, It has um, the ability for you to specify on a per flag basis a default value. So you can say, get the flag called, you know, is product available, right? And then if if, uh, LaunchDarkly isn't accessible for some reason, the API is down, the Internet's down, then use this default value. Um, So that way, you know, a really important feature wouldn't just default to being off if you'd rather have it be on um and of course in the case of launch darkly flags aren't just booleans flags can be numbers they can be an entire json document so the default value is more complicated than just open or closed but anyway it's a it's an interesting thing to consider um yeah because his, his context was when i delete the feature flag from my
0: system how should my code behave and so That's that's sort of the trick there, because obviously you should clean up your feature flags eventually, but you should also clean them up from the code. So I guess if someone goes through cleaning up feature flags, you know, obviously you should be logging that, hey, this feature flag doesn't exist. Someone needs to go to this page and remove this flag. But, you know, you could set it. And, And his description here is like, if it's basically if the can see duplicate is, you know, not equal to equal false, you know, basically if it's not explicitly false, it means it's not there or it's true then we'll, you know, then we'll
1: show. Yeah. It. And if the goal is to make it so you can delete a feature flag and the site still works, I think you would definitely want to be like logging that somewhere. Like, yeah, Hey, this feature flag is, you're still trying to use it. It's gone. You should do something about that. Uh, but yeah. it's um, yeah. So we yeah, had off, it on and then fail open and yeah. And again, it's
0: basically just how do you deal with not existing, you know? So, but yeah, it's, it makes you think though, feature flags are definitely pretty cool and Launch is pretty good. We use Unleashed because they have the uh, a, a nice self-hosted plan where you can you, you know play with
1: it a little bit for free on one project, and a lot of times that's all you need. Well, to, so we also largely used Unleashed because it was bundled with GitLab, and now we're moving away from GitLab because their per-user price like tripled. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not sure what that means in, in terms of our Unleashed usage, unless we just start hosting it ourselves um, outside of GitLab. I think we are actually okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, That was the one downside of stuff like LaunchDarkly was you could point it at like a local JSON file and have limited functionality. But generally speaking, if you're using LaunchDarkly with their website, you're paying per month to be able to use it, Um, which I mean, I get it right. They're providing a value added service and you pay them for that. But if you have an incredibly uh, cheap company, they might not want to pay for a feature flag service like that. Yeah. but it's one of those things. It's like, okay, if you have to install your own server, it's going to cost you a,
0: minimum, a number of, you know, CPU cycles. It's going to cost you a certain amount anyway, but it does, those do creep up really quickly. They're really good at giving you low, like free plans or low price plans until you hit a certain limit of people or flags. And then it gets ridiculous. And then it's like, hey, you must be, you know, a huge company who are making billions of dollars. We're going to charge you more than your salary for, for this. So But anyway (laughs) that's
1: the eternal problem for for software companies like this is how do we make our software or our product cheap enough for people to easily play with but how do we also cash in on those giant companies with money falling out of their pockets who are also using our product yep (laughs) that's a tough one for sure but we got one more blog post here from ben um, and
0: this one is working on his turbo streams again so he's been um working hard um on that, there's a whole series that he's done. And so this one here was talking about using custom actions. So when you're using turbo streams, you can basically you know update just a certain piece of it. So you can either replace or update, you can do after pin before. And these are the ones that are sort of built in, but you can do custom ones too. And so again, Ben's uh, diving pretty deep on this. So if you guys haven't looked at it, it's an alternative to those like the live wire, CB wire type thing. Uh, this is just a, a different, different flavor i think this is based on the ruby ones from like base camp so if you guys are looking for alternatives uh definitely check out ben's stuff he's got some videos on some of them too so if you want you know more of an overview um go check that one out as well
1: so i just can't get past the title turbo stream what does it even mean gavin make it make sense turbo stream well, they want to make it like it's super fast.
0: But uh, the funny thing is, is when when I first heard about Turbo Streams, the Turbo Builder came out. You know, like the opposition to V and stuff. And so I got so confused that I thought, do you have to use
1: Turbo to use Turbo? <laughs> like, which there was too many Turbos. So it happens when marketing gets involved. It reminds me of a, a a jukebox, just like you know, a portable radio I saw at like a Best Buy or a Walmart years ago. And this whole feature was like extra base. And it had these big, like plastic tubes that probably did nothing. And the, the package was labeled. It said tubes." And they were like, gigatubes? What? What does this even mean? Like, what, you have a billion <laughs> tubes? What? Marketing. Just go home. Stop it. You're ruining everything. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. That's what I think of when I, when I hear turbo stream. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Okay. Um, I'll add one additional thing that's not in your show notes. I probably should have sent a tweet out. Um, but I had a couple pull requests merged into Lucy six this week or last week, um, which was fun. And I guess I could like actually shoot a tweet about shoot a tweet out about this and add into the into the uh, post the show notes after the fact. Um, but anyway, there was a small regression in Lucy six that I had uh, accidentally added with the asynchronous parallel query query stuff that I did, um, and I fixed that. But it was uh, around someone using the rand function in SQL, which the hypersonic, the HSQLDB supported, but the native Lucy query query didn't. So um, in addition to fixing that little regression, I looked up and saw how's Oracle, how's PostgreSQL, how's MySQL, how's SQL Server all doing their RAND function. They pretty much all work the same. And so I also added uh, some native support for RAND in Lucy's query queries. Uh, That way, if anybody is using that uh, going forward, it shouldn't have to fall back to the problematic hypersonic sequel it'll be uh baked into lucy so anyway cool that was fun it's nice to get those uh merged in uh without a ridiculous amount of teeth pulling thanks Zach. (laughs)
0: yeah cool cool Next up, we have CFML jobs. So if you're looking for a job, getcfmljobs.com is a great resource for that. They scrape from all the different providers and they have 61 Fusion positions from 39 companies across 30 locations in those five countries. And We got three new jobs posted this week. You wanna tell us about the first couple? And I will post them.
1: I can. There is a uh, full-time removalists Brisbane at Brisbane, Australia. I it's don't. Been. Is that the name of the company, Removalists? I uh, will click on it and find out in a second. I'm sharing the links for those. I'm who clicking care. too. Okay. Better Removalists Brisbane. That is the name of them. They take pride in providing top-notch removal services to their clients. I don't know what the crap they remove, but they remove stuff. Uh, <laughs> oh, moving situations like they'll actually like move all your stuff out of your apartment or whatever. That's huh. awesome. Huh? Maybe that's like a an Aussie term there. Um, but apparently, uh, they. Um, is this actually a cold fusion job? <laughs> like I'm, I'm sitting here reading the description and I'm like, at what point is cold fusion coming into play here? So, I think this may be spam. I'll that, be really that, honest. It might be. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Oh, Brisbane. It's on the CFML jobs website, but I don't actually know that this is a cold fusion job. Yeah, and there's a business for sale, too. Yeah, I just looked at it. Yeah, you're right. This is this is spam. Okay, uh-huh. well, so there's two they, real jobs. How about they that? They got us. Yeah, that's I'm just seeing. somebody uh, trying to um, get their mm. crap out on the Internet. I'm all right, surprised so it's not one go- of
0: those um, those keto gummy pill things that the spam has been if, all over the web lately.
1: Yeah, well, if you're in Brisbane and needing to move, these guys can help you move out of your apartment. <laughs> but if you actually want a fusion job, um, it looks like, we have a senior software engineer, Nevis, does sound like a Cole Fusion job, uh, at uh, Bangalore, India. So I don't see anything other than just uh, full time through AltaSource, collaborate with tech lead, system architect, business analyst, integrate different perspectives into technical documentation. Interesting, sounds more like a documentation job than developer, but either way, uh, if you're in uh, Bangla- uh, Bangalore, India, you can check into this one. I don't see any remote local. I assume it's an on-site job. They have quite a bit of details in the uh in the listing on indeed.com.
0: Cool, cool. Okay, well that wraps up our job section and our scam section. <laughs> <laughs> Forgebox module of the week. This one, Brad gave a demo to uh, the Autis team last week. Java FX demo. So you want to oh. tell us about the cool stuff <clears throat> that you did here and why people might care
1: um yeah so java is sort of java's evolution of swing which is the way that java developers used to make terrible looking uis back in the day um it was part of java 8 only to be ripped back out in java 10 when oracle moved into the whole java modules uh direction with the whole uh jigsaw project which i mean makes sense um and so like three years ago or so at DevNexus, one of the keynotes was about using JavaFX to build like interactive three dimensional um, representations of uh, of um, spaceships in orbit and for NASA. Anyway, and I started to look into JavaFX, but then I had some questioning. I had some questions about how the licensing was going to go in the future because this was back when Oracle was changing up all their licensing. So I left it alone. Well, a few weeks ago, I was back at DevNexus. Uh, the same guys who did the NASA demo a few years ago now works for Johns Hopkins University. And he's still doing JavaFX stuff, and he's he was doing like three dimensional like scatter graphs, mapping like people's brain waves and stuff. It was pretty cool, and I was glad to see JavaFX is still out there, um, and has the ability to look a little bit prettier than Swing did, which was always just ugly as sin. If you ever use like JMeter, like that's basically how most Java Swing apps used to look. Um, so anyway, uh, JavaFX is essentially a collection of you know modules for Java that let you build native apps for Mac, Windows, Linux. Um, along the same lines of Electron, but instead of, you know, being based on Node, this one's based on Java. So I wanted to play around with it and I wanted to get a proof of concept um, to say what would it look like to bundle a JavaFX, you know, native application uh, inside of CommandBox. And so I found a cool little demo that has a bunch of charts. It's just a, a demo I found off the Internet. And I created a simple module for CommandBox, which if you'd like to test it, please do. Part of the goal of this was just to see if it worked on everybody's computer. Uh, so far, I've tested it on Mac, Windows, and Linux, and it seems to work. Uh, so JavaFX demo is the name of the package. You can install that module in the command box, and then it just creates a JavaFX hyphen demo command. You run that command. It'll download JDK 17. It'll download some jars for the demo. Um, and then if you're in luck, it should pop up just a regular you know GUI window that has this interactive chart. You can click around. There's tabs. There's trees. There's charts. You can move the charts, zoom in and out. Um, And uh, in the future, we may look at doing some cool, you know, Command Box Pro uh, features, imagine like server dashboards or, you know, Command Box configuration utilities that would sit on top of the CLI, but would be some sort of GUI. And so that's why I wanted to do a a proof of concept and say, you know, how well does JavaFX work? What does it look like? How does it work? What would it take to be able to package it up, you know, and make it so you can just run a command and a GUI pops up um, and not use Node. So anyway, uh, that was it basically. It was just my little kind of experimentation that I did after DevNexus. So um, if you're curious, just go install that JavaFX demo. It just runs an open source demo I found online. And uh, let me know if it works on your machine. Uh, if it doesn't work, let me know, because that's that's what I wanted to know is if, if if it was really stable anywhere or if it was, you know, full of bugs. It seems to work pretty good once I figured out how to call it, which is like takes about 8 billion Java command line arguments <laughs> because it's Java, but anyway, um, I, I kind of like it. It's uh, it, you know it's not as popular as like, you know, Electron as far as just the size of the community, but there's quite a lot of libraries out there and you can still just build like HTML, CSS, JavaScript interfaces and just package them up inside of JavaFX as the, the native runtime. And you can write mobile apps, which I didn't even realize. Uh, with VM, you can compile native iOS and Android apps using JavaFX. Which is kind of cool now i don't relish the idea of building things in java um but i am more familiar with the java ecosystem as a you know a, a place to deploy things on especially if i can use javascript and html inside of it but anyway that was my little demo um install it run it let me know if it works for you if it doesn't and uh maybe someday uh in the future we'll actually build something on JavaFX and um make it be part of command box we'll see yeah cool i kind of want to throw something in it and just see if it sucks up memory like electron does (laughs) so i played around with it um this is as good as cf client nothing will ever be as good as cf client adam um i uh i did take a look at the memory um opening up this particular demo app which had about like 20 charts uh it used like 250 megs of ram on my windows 10 pc uh for the java process and then if i clicked through like every single chart to load them all into memory It used about 350 megs of RAM, maybe 300. So anyway, I'm sure every app is different, but just for what it's worth. And that was not with any custom built uh, JRE because, you know, the whole Java is moved into this direction, which is kind of cool. But it's also annoying as crap where um, you can, like, build your own JRE that has, like, just the modules you want. Right. So instead of Java just being this big, like 200. 200 meg thing you install, but has all the crap over not you need it. You can use JLink and you can build your own you know, custom GRE that only has the specific parts of Java, your specific app needs, which basically cold fusion servers will probably never be able to use this feature. But if you're in like native Java land, right? Forget about cold fusion. You can do that and you can even like pull out all the classes in the JDK you're not even using. So if you're not using like concurrent hash map, right? Like that actual class file could just get removed from the JDK. And so Java has a bunch of cool tooling. Um, in the native Java world where you can, you know, build these like super small condensed, um, you know, distributions of Java. And then you can even compile them down natively with GraalVM. So there's probably some um, performance stuff to be had there. Um, it just kind of sucks that as a ColdFusion developer, I basically that's all outside of the, the bubble of what we can probably even tap into. Um, I mean, heck, they were talking about freaking Java 20 and Java 21 at Dev Nexus, and I'm still here waiting for Lucy or Adobe Fusion to release a stable version of Fusion that runs on Java 16, let alone Java 20. So uh, as usual, we are a few miles behind the curve uh, as far as Java goes. But anyway, uh, that's all a slightly separate rant.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, their release system always threw me because don't the even numbers come out more often or something like they have like the stable ones are the odds and then the so every three months you get a new version of this the i don't know it changes so i much. have
1: i have no earthly clue
0: because so it went from like um, java 8 being like, like five years and then nine being what a, a little bit and then it went to kind of skip 10 and went to 11 or whatever they did and then 12 13 14 came out into heartbeat and then 15 and you know it's like they release one stable every you know every year but they every quarter they release a new version or something that's kind of crazy and Adam's asking, why are they both not on uh, 17? Well, didn't they just do some 17 stuff for that's, Adobe right that's now, a, right?
1: That's a fantastic question, Adam. Um, so Adobe is going to support Java 17 with Adobe Coldfusion Fusion 2023. Um, <clears throat> Lucy, more or less, from what I can tell, somewhat mostly works on Java 17 as of Lucy 5.3.10. Um, I don't really know where it's at as far as official support, uh you have to add like eleventy billion JVM args to make it work. Uh obvious Java opens. And the main thing is because in Java sixteen, all of those warnings you've been seeing since Java eleven in your console that say you have a reflective access, this will be removed in a later version. Well, Java sixteen is that later version. And any any code inside of a Java module, um, which all the sections of a JDK are all modularized. Um, any any part of that that you try to call via reflection as of Java 16 now creates a straight up error like nope ain't going to do that um, and the only way to make it work is to have started the initial Java process with a special arg, which won't freaking work on Java 8 good luck being compatible all the way across that um, that's that explicitly says the code in this Java module is open to this module to be able to call it via reflection it's an absolute pain in the, in the butt um, and so Cold Fusion, whether it's Lucy or Adobe, is like all reflection behind the scenes. I mean, not all. Anytime you're dealing with Java objects. So, you know, you create an instance of a hash map directly, and you've got to call a method on it. Boom, that's reflection. And as a Java 16, Java's like, nope, you can't do that. So now you have to freaking start your server with a JVM arg that says, no, 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 really, let's allow us to do this. So a lot of the support, um, if only they had years and years of notice, uh, I put in the tickets for Java 16 support for both Lucy and Adobe. And you can look at the dates. Uh, They've been in there for a little while. Yeah,
0: um, it's only released two years ago because six—that's sixteen—is when they started doing the more, right. You know, but Java more eleven,
1: Java eleven is when the warning started that said mm-hmm. this will go away in a future version. <laughs> yeah. So a, a lot of what it takes to make crap run on Java seventeen is actually just starting the server with like all these opens. Ah, uh, but it's really annoying because there's no way to like dynamically do it at runtime. It has to be all the way back when the JVM starts. So if you have some crazy you know, part of a JDK that you call directly in your cold fusion code, it may or may not work on Java 17 and you may have to go edit your JVM args. So um, on this topic, I think I mentioned this the other day, the bleeding edge build of command box and run bar and run war does work on Java 17, um, which basically consisted of me creating this massive list of Java modules that I cram in as just a giant list of JVM args. Um and it mostly seems to work until I find another missing JVM arg like next week that I'll have to go add. Uh, so if you want to test it, um, a command box, uh, the bleeding edge of, of uh, command box will support that. But yeah, it's uh, I I love the fact that Oracle is modernizing Java; they're not afraid to do it. It's it sucks that it makes stuff not work, <laughs> and then you know we're stuck quite a ways behind. I mean, don't get, even get me started on the freaking Jakarta namespace for J two EE. Which neither Adobe nor Lucy even have an inkling of a care to even begin thinking about, and I've I've been we're going without like Undertow updates for probably two years now because the, like Undertow is already cut over, and all new you know updates to Undertow go into the Jakarta version. They're not even you know adding anything other than bug fixes into the Java X or whatever the crap build namespace is. Um, so yes, the the extreme slowness of the CF engines to pick up like literally anything new constantly has me feeling like i'm in like the backwoods of the java world when i you know i go to a java conference i'm like yeah i'm still supporting java 8 you know and they're like java 21 is coming out next year and i'm like oh wow that would be nice to use so yeah yeah fun times
0: actually that'll be out. java 21 will be out in september um yeah but just because so, okay. yeah they release them on six month cycles now i'm looking at the list here right right and so basically the way it works is yeah like you said 11 runs out um, of active support in september because that'll be five years wow. and then we have three more years of security support for it so at least there's security support for three more years but that means we're also almost two years into 17 so we'll only have three left before it ends active support again so if it takes them two years to get in they've got three years before they have to fix it you know so like it's gonna be a little trouble so yeah because the next uh, stable's not gonna be coming out for a while so, anyway, but yeah, because it's been out for four and a half years now, the 11. So they're they're up. If we go to 17, you know, say in a few months, they'll basically will be two years in. So we we'll have three years more of active support and then three more security. But yeah, so but yes, 18, you know, 18 and 19 or basically end every time there's a new version come out. So every fourth one, or yeah, they change the thing so much, but. Anyway, long story short, yep.
1: <sighs> so maybe maybe someday I'll get to run my apps on Java 17 and the J- Jakarta namespace. But until then, <laughs> yeah. I'll be a second-class citizen of Java.
0: Yep, exactly. So, okay. Well, next up, <laughs> we have hints, tips, and tricks of the week. And this one... Um, is actually a upcoming little mini conference, VS Code Day. So if you guys are using VS Code, which a lot of you guys are, I know, um, VS Code Day is coming up April 26th um, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Pacific time. And they say it's their annual event where you learn how to evaluate your development workflow using the latest and greatest features of VS Code. And so I will pull it up in my local screen so you guys can check it out. But... Looks like a cool little event. Got lots of lots of content. Short little um, presentations too, so nothing too long. You know, you can look at Copilot. Everybody wants that. But code spaces uh, using Rust and Python. Um, but yeah, GitHub Next, which is always interesting to see, um, and GitHub integration. They're doing a lot of cool stuff with VS Code for GitHub. So everyone's using that. Um, we can tie in. Cover a bit of everything really. So. Um, You might've recognized some of these speakers, you may not, but uh, quite a lot of stuff going on. So that's our VS Code Hint Tip and Trick of the Week. Go check that one out and you'll see all the things all in one day. So it's like a year's worth of our stuff all at once. So that's our VS Code Hint Tip and Trick of the Week. Sign up for that one, it's free. Next up, our Patreon supporters. So thanks to all the Patreon supporters. Really appreciate you guys. since Brad's type, and I'll keep going here. These individuals are personally supporting our open source initiatives to make sure we can keep working on things that we love and you like, like Command Box, Forge Box, Cold Box, Content Box, Test Box, and all those other boxes out there. And uh, I said a large part of that funds go into this podcast and supporting the package management through Command Box and Forge Box and all of our Amazon AWS. Is 3 bills for giving you guys all those solutions so if you guys want to find us um you go to patreon.com slash solutions to find out some of the package we have there and if you become a patron supporter there's some perks right brad there are some reasons they should do it other than just being nice and helping us out
1: uh there are i'm busy sitting that tweet that i needed to send to put in the show notes well, um so yes our patron supporters um for the bronze package up, you get a forge box pro and um, a cfcast subscription as a perk for being a patreon supporter Uh, all of our patreon supporters get the profile badge on our community website so you look cool and authoritative Um, and you have access to your own private forum and uh, our own private uh, slack team on box team slack and as an example when we were testing our chat gpt implementation that we'll be talking about it into the box which is powered by our Gitbook documentation. We released that about two weeks early privately to all of our Patreon supporters to get the first whack at it before we went public with it. So yep. lots of uh of perks for being a Patreon supporter.
0: Yep. And then in there too, we'll sometimes, you know, ping them for questions about different stuff or, you know, get feedback on what workshops we should do or bits and pieces. So, you know, we try to make it Make it worth the while. So, lots of cool stuff in there. But we want to thank our Patreon supporters. We got too many to list all of them, so we're going to have to uh, just cut down to the top patrons. So, Brad, you want to give us the list of our top patrons this week? Well, yep.
1: Our top patrons are John Wilson from Snaptrix, Tomorrow's Guides, and Jordan Clark.
0: Yep, and then we also have Gary Knight, Mario Rodriguez, John Carlo Gomez, David Bellinger dan card jeffrey mcgee from sunstar media dean maunder nolan irk and abdul rahim and lots and lots and lots more patreons so you guys can go check them out autosolutions.com about us sponsors and then uh yeah i think that's it so remember mark's doing his session right now or he was go watch the replay on that one and then we've got um the mid-Michigan meet up tonight Nolan Urks tomorrow, lots of great stuff coming your way and again, Into the Box videos lots and lots of them, so go get your Into the Box ticket and watch some videos and yeah, we'll see you guys all soon and hopefully we'll see you in Houston I know we'll see Adam, he's already uh, got his <laughs> coast is ready to go so thanks everybody, awesome. have a great week thanks Brad alright, Bye. bye Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.